What was the meme? Oh, yeah. It was like, I don't know. It was just like post who do people say you look like or something. Just post your celebrity lookalikes. Yeah. And I did him, Dan Levy, and Hoodie Allen. <laughs> Who's Hoodie Allen? He's like a rapper uh, that like. I knew some of his music in, like, college, but I guess people still listen to him. And I had never gotten it before. But then this summer at work, I got it, like, three times in one month because I wasn't wearing my glasses because of masks. And then I had my mask on. And so people, I had three different times someone was like, you look like Cody Allen. And I was like, that's the most random fucking thing I've ever heard because I haven't thought of him since college. And then like looked him up and I like thought he was kind of ugly. So then I went back to my table and I was like, what the fuck? He's kind of ugly. <laughs> and they were like, well, we don't know what you really look like. So then I took my mask down and showed them and they were like, okay, no, it's just like the eyes and the eyebrows. He has really strong eyebrows too. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I love how you're like to protect the reputation of my great looks. I'm going to have to break mask protocol. I was like, it's worth it. Honestly. <laughs> I'm shook! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Holly Shook Podcast. It's me, Ryan. I'm here, joined, as always, by the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And with a fresh quarantine haircut that looks amazing, it's Armin. Thanks, Rai. I appreciate that. Uh, my haircut is uh, courtesy of Camille Pereira. Mm-hmm. Um, she will no longer be doing my haircuts. It was a traumatizing experience. Why? It looks good. It does look great. It looks incredible. But for a first-time hairstylist to have to chop off hair that hasn't been cut in a whole year, mm. and my hair is wavy curly... It was complicated, so it looks like it's never going to happen again. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, wait, like, curly hair also is, from what I understand, very hard to cut in style. So props to her for even attempting it. She crushed it. She did crush it. I think she should do it again, um, especially if it is six to eight to ten months before you can go to a professional, because pre-haircut, you were looking... um, very wild Mm -hmm. it was a little out of control your hair um so for the sake of me who's the only person you really see i would appreciate if you just continued getting it cut thank you okay for your sake uh i'll petition camille to continue cutting my hair we'll see what happens perfect thank you but i'm glad we're here right i'm glad we're back it was a long hiatus as you said i have a whole new haircut that's Mm -hmm. how long it's been since we last podcasted Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we're back with a bang there's a lot of stories today we usually do like four or five but i think we have six stories to talk about today yeah and they're all honestly really good stories which is exciting we were blessed this week good time for us to return celebrities are unceasingly newsworthy well i don't know about newsworthy i don't know if they're actually worthy of news but for the purposes of our podcast uh they do make news yeah, they, they give us content, and I think they are thinking specifically of us when they do things. Like, what will Ryan and Armin find to be funny? And what can we do to get them to talk shit about us? And this week is no disappointment. Um, I guess we should just dive into it. The first story we have is, I guess, not a funny one. It's more of a... <laughs> I was about to say, except for this first story, yeah. we're not going to talk shit. We're not going to make fun no. of this first story. <laughs> it's not like a funny make fun story. It's, But it is a very um, heartwarming, mm-hmm. uplifting um, story. And I really appreciated the waves it made on, like, online and on Twitter yesterday. Because, you know... Twitter, we're both Twitter girls. I would say maybe more so me. It can be very toxic and depressing. People are always bitching and moaning and complaining. And I try to stay off of it when it's in a dark place. Because I'm like, I don't need that for my social media and for my um, mental health. So yesterday was like a rare, bright spot on the internet. Elliot Page announced that he is transgender. 
He is the star most famously known for Juno, um, Inception, I think it was Inception. Inception. I just recently watched Inception. Great movie. Uh, love that movie. Um, he's in Umbrella Academy, which I don't watch, but that was a big show that everyone was talking about that he's in. And yeah, he has been a really big ally and activist for the LGBTQ community for a while now. Um, he had a show a couple years ago where he like went around to different parts of the country to talk about what it means to be gay and queer and all that stuff. And yeah, he's just always been very outspoken and very positive. And I mean, he's very famous. So bringing a lot of attention to um, issues. So this was a really huge moment, I think, for the trans community, especially because, as we know, representation matters. And to have such a huge celebrity and public figure come out with such confidence and such positivity, and then to get such a great and, at least from what I saw, loving response and welcoming response is so uplifting and so exciting. I don't know. It kind of felt like it was a little bit of shift in the discourse. So I was really pleased with this and I'm really excited um, and happy for him. Yeah. There's always going to be haters. Like I saw, for example, TMZ dead named him. Mm -hmm. And if you go into the deep recesses of Twitter comments, of course, you'll find bigots. It's unavoidable. But yeah, you're right. right. For the very most part, everyone was extremely accepting. And I think it's huge. I think it's very important. He referenced some staggering statistics. Actually, he refer- He calls the statistics staggering, so I'm literally... killing <laughs> <laughs> hypocrites. Yeah, that's a little bit of plagiarism. Um, but he mentions that... 40 transgender people were murdered in 2020. Um, He mentions that 40% of trans adults report attempting suicide. And a large part of that is due to social stigma. A large part of that is due to bigotry, not being accepted into society, the exclusion, the alienation. And for someone with Elliot Page's stature to announce he is transgender, it's huge for the community at large. So it was a great moment. Yeah, it's just really exciting. And I, it also feels weird because I feel like it's a huge personal, you know, incredibly personal journey, personal uh, moment. And to do it so publicly, you just have to be so strong. So that's just awesome. And it also becomes like, everyone else's victory like I'm sitting here being like I'm so happy and so excited it's like he's kind of like this uh voice for an entire community which is a lot of pressure at the same time um but it just is really um uplifting I I have this whole theory that has absolutely no evidence or logic behind it which is how most of my theories are um that uh, America as a society can only handle one, like, change at a time, <laughs> or like one issue at a time. They can only like. What's dissect. the time period though? Just like a couple years. Okay. Okay. So like, <laughs> I was trying to explain this to someone the other day, and they were like, "Uh," but I'm just I I, I have this like idea where, like, gay men became accepted, you know, however many years ago. But that was it. It was like, okay, we're going to recognize and accept that gay men exist, okay? And then everyone's like, cool, we got it. Moving on. And then it was like, okay, maybe there's lesbians. Like, I don't know. We'll, like, consider it for a moment. (laughs) And I believe that we're kind of in this phase. And it's first off, it's stupid that this is a theory. But you can kind of agree. Like, it was like we're seeing gay characters on screen for the first time in like normalized roles. They're not just like the gay best friend, you know, they have real stories and real, you know, emotions, you know, because famously we are real people. 
Um, and I think that we're in this like phase where as a society, people are starting to recognize that transgender people exist first off that they are equally as deserving of a voice and of rights and all of that stuff. And I think like it kind of started with like Laverne Cox being on Orange is the New Black. That was such a huge deal. Hmm. And slowly but surely we're getting more representation. I think Elliot Page coming out is like a huge step and it sucks that we have to go through like phases or, you know, steps to get, you know, equal representation (laughs) and for people to like understand what, what's going on. But I think that's just how our society is built. And it's a good thing to see these steps. But see, right. You know what you're describing? It is a step in the process of movement politics. These things don't just occur out of thin air or it's not just like in every few years we like spin a wheel and we decide, okay, we're going to accept this group this time because we can only handle like one change every few years. It is not the culmination of movement politics because I think there is still work to go for all of the marginalized groups you just mentioned. It is the evolution from starting up with activist groups, movement groups, organizing together, building power, lobbying, and eventually making gains, politically and culturally. First off, you can't mansplain LGBTQ rights to a gay person. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. You're absolutely right. That is like the... See, this is where we differ. I have like completely made up theories based on like pure coincidence and uh, like me noticing little details does have a logical backing, which I think part of it is what you just explained. So <laughs> I think we're both right on this. Um, I mean, your and- theory has more credibility. I just had to make sure that we included you know, the nameless and thankless organizers through the decades who have made this moment happen. No, absolutely. And I think that even he, in his in his statement, um, did, did mention all the people that came before him and how, you know, without all of the past, this would never be possible. So it is a whole thing, but it's a great moment. Very happy, joyous. And potentially game-changing moment that we all noticed or we were all part of yesterday. You made an interesting point earlier, Rye, about how the dynamic of celebrity means that the journey of a celebrity, which for many would be a solo journey, is now like the journey of the masses. Mm-hmm. I just brought it up because I think it's such an interesting relationship that celebrities have with their fans and with the you know world at large more broadly i think people who weren't fans of elliot pages are now interested in his journey yeah that journey is not solo as a celebrity unless you work hard to ensure your privacy to keep that distance between you know your personal life and the tabloids but it's very hard to maintain when you have like paparazzi. We talk about paparazzi all the time. When you have the constant prying by fans and the uh, entertainment media or just the simple basic obligations of being a celebrity, for many of them, they have to do media tours. We talk about it all the time, the press junkets, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's very hard to keep your private life private as a celebrity So you see here, Elliot Page is going through a journey that is difficult, but is probably going to come with added pressures being uh, such a uh, well-known figure. Yeah, and not even to mention the young trans people who maybe are afraid to come out and, you know, are scared of what the, how people will react. So this is also hopefully really inspirational for all of them to see and to see how warmly welcomed he was and his announcement was and hopefully inspire people to also come out and start, you know, living their authentic selves, which is awesome. 
This must must be a huge sigh of relief to finally be able to embrace yourself, as he put it. it yeah. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you think about all the straight cisgender people who get to be their authentic selves from the start, and it's like a thing you don't really appreciate or think about until you're faced with it. And as someone who did have to come out at one point, it is very relieving to just get it done with and put it behind you. I think the idea of coming out is ridiculous in itself. And hopefully that whole thing will be abolished down the road, but, uh, abolish coming out, abolish coming out is the new uh, movement. Thank you. Get it trending. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so congratulations to Elliot Page, and we're so happy for you, and we're so excited for all the amazing TV and film. I'm sure you're going to continue giving us. Juno is one of my favorite movies, and yeah, cool. Actually, people talking about Elliot Page's activism got me thinking about this documentary that he did a decade ago about bees. Do you remember that? No. He narrated this documentary about the possible extinction of bees. No, I've never cared about bees. <laughs> like, I get it. They're, like, important, but they're annoying as fuck. I'm, like, I'm not going to... They already waste all of my time in the summer by, like, bugging me while I'm trying to eat. I'm not letting them waste any more of my time with the documentary. It's just not going to happen. You know who else bugs you, Rai? Oh, God. <laughs> Ben Affleck. I know it. Yeah. He historically has bugged you a lot. He rubs you the wrong way, right? I've never, like, once again, he's kind of like a bee to me. It's like I'm never, like, sure. I find him to be strange. I'm not, like, wasting more than two fleeting seconds thinking about him. Um, Like a bee. I did watch Gone Girl last week (laughs) just because I love that movie. Um, And I think he's really good in it, okay? He is good in it. He directed that too, right? Or no? no? Uh, oh my god. Oh no, I'm thinking of Gone Baby Gone. David Fincher, get out of my face with that. <laughs> Sorry, there was this whole era of Affleck, you know, directing and starring in films. He did um Argo too, right? The Town. Yeah. That era's over and rightly so. <laughs> well, the era that isn't over, and thankfully so, is the Ben Armas era. So this is a new segment, not a new segment, this is another segment of Ben Armas Watch. It's one of our recurring segments. Um, if y'all haven't listened to this podcast before, we did a gambling episode where you know we placed theoretical wagers on real Vegas bets. These were real Vegas odds on celebrity couples staying together or breaking up by January 1st, 2021. One of the wagers. Ben Arma staying together until January 1st, 2021. We got great odds on it. Plus 600 for them to stay together. If you all don't know, don't know what that means, that means if you put $100 on them staying together until January 1st, 2021, it means you would win 600 bucks. And so since then, we've been tracking their relationship. So we have a little update. It's not too crazy of an update. But I feel like it's our duty to track, you know, what's up with them as a couple. And they're doing great, right? As of December 1st, 2020, we have one month to go. They're walking their dogs together. In fact, they're walking their dogs together with two of Ben Affleck's kids. So if Ben Affleck is introducing Anna de Armas to his kids, you know, that means she's at least a little bit of a long-term keeper. With Affleck, you never know. But yeah. you, from what I know, you don't introduce someone to your kids if you intend to break up with them anytime soon. So I feel like our bet is looking strong, right? I can't help but agree. I would just like to quickly um, just put the juxtaposi- juxtaposition of the two stories that we've covered so far. Um, just the headline for this story is Ben Affleck turns a dog walk into a family affair with Anna de Armas. 
Whereas the story before was like a groundbreaking um, LGBTQ success story. You're telling me and that Ben Affleck walking his dog with Anna de Armas isn't groundbreaking? Actually, it could be ground a groundbreaking LGBTQ um, success story. Anna de Armas is semi, like, I feel like she will be like a gay icon eventually. Um, I just want to also make the connection that Jennifer Gardner is Ben Affleck's ex wife mm-hmm. and jennifer garner famously it was in juno with elliot page and that is just a fun connection my brain just made that should have been the segue that would have been a much better segue yeah see you done goofed with the segue i really did well i brought up the bees thing and then you said it said you hated bees and so then i thought of your disdain for ben affleck and that tied together decently but what tied together uh much more cleanly was actually the jennifer garner and elliot page connection yeah, yeah. That's why you leave the segues to me. Well, you fucked awesome. up the first segue, I have to say. Yeah. What? The, the opening segue? You were what like, I... we love on this podcast to talk shit on celebrities and make fun oh. of them. Let's talk about Elliot Page. Okay. Well, we don't usually talk about like uplifting serious things on this podcast. That's so that true. Was... That's true. Unlike our next story, which is uplifting and serious. Oh my god. Was that you segueing again? <laughs> yes. Um also, do you know how to spell segue? Yeah, S E G U uh, E. Uh, yeah, that's so strange, right? <laughs> I don't know. I like just I didn't discover that recently, but I feel like I saw it spelled out, and I was like, "What's a seg a segu or whatever?" <laughs> I like voiced it or like phonetically, and then I was like, "Oh my god, that's how you spell segue." Would you have spelled it S E G W A Y otherwise? I won't say yes, but I won't say no. I feel like if I if I were to spell it out, which I've never in a million years had to do and probably never will in my whole life, I would have probably spelt it out with the W A Y and instantly been like, that's not right. And then changed it to the G U E. It takes a lot of guts to make an admission like that, Rye. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, you know who else I'm proud of? <laughs> a lot of people, but me. <laughs> I can't decide actually who I'm more proud of in this next story. Um, Nicole Kidman is having a moment right now. Mm. She just was. But when does she a- not? When does she not have a fucking moment? She's always having a moment, but she currently was the talk of the town the past few weeks. With her show, The Undoing. Have on... you been watching that? I have not. I right because it's not twenty years from now when you normally watch things. You watch things when they you know twenty years after they come out. Right. I figured maybe I'll give this one ten years before I watch it, but I also can't keep up week to week. Week to week stresses me out. I'm like, especially with like how TV is now, where it's like cliffhanger and like what's gonna happen. But right, that's like, how we grew up. And and you were talking about how much you loved Glee as it was coming out week to week. I know, but what I'm saying is like we could get into a whole discourse and we can't right now, but we could about how TV is built for binging nowadays. Like, that's true. you know, it's all about what's going to happen, what's next, like episodes end on a cliffhanger, you know. That's like why Netflix is so successful. You can watch a whole fucking show in two days. Mm-hmm. One day. Um, but no, I haven't watched The Undoing. I'll probably watch it. Like, I skipped all the tweets about it. I'm like, someone's going to ruin it. I feel like I know what happens, but whatever. Anyway, she was in it. (laughs) Um, and so people are, you know, paying attention or noticing her great work. Mm -hmm. And amazingly enough, someone who noticed how great she was in this show was an equally great actress. I would argue potentially even better. Oh yeah. Tara Reed. Is it Tara or Tara? It's like tomato, tomato. It's Tara Reed. And I have to read you guys this Instagram comment that she left on Nicole's Instagram. Can you read the whole thing, please? I'm reading the whole, I'm reading the whole thing. I'm giving a whole like a description. Wait, so, right. You're you're not bad at impressions. Can you do a Tara Reed impression? 
I'm famously terrible at impressions. Anytime mm. I try to do an impression, I sound like a like freaking hillbilly from the south. That's no the only impression you could do. But guess what? That's actually decent for Tara Reid. Can, can you yeah, do Tara yeah. Reid when she was doing that traveling show and getting wasted all the time? I guess I, I didn't have to say the traveling show part, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I was like, so her everyday life. <laughs> um, no, I'm not doing a Tara Reid impersonation, but I will do it. I will be animated about it. Okay. Don't correct her, though. On her I won't correct grammar. Why would I correct her? Well, because there's a couple of parts where she didn't form complete sentences. That's part of the charm. <laughs> All right, let me just freaking get to it. <laughs> so, Nicole Kidman poses as, like, this really dramatic picture. Um, she's, like, in New York City on a lake. I'm assuming it's Central Park. And then, like, the whole skyline's in the background. She's wearing, like, seven blankets. Can it be that cold? And, and, and she's like in deep uh, contemplation. She's like on this balcony, just staring off into the distance. Yeah, like she's essentially acting out a scene from Big Little Lies slash, I'm assuming, The Undoing. It's a crossover for, event for sure. Yeah, for me, it's like Nicole Kidman just like plays an angry, abused white woman in everything she does. Mm-hmm. And she kind of looks like that in this picture. Her caption is, there's no place like NYC. One more night until the finale of The Undoing. Heart. Pretty standard, easy caption. Then chaos ensues. Tara Reid pops out the cuts and posts a comment. This is the comment, and I quote, You are truly amazing in everything you do. I've been a huge fan forever. Hopefully one day we can work together soon. First off, one day soon. I'm producing a movie, Masha's Mushroom. It's, star- it's staring Vivica Fox, Billy Zane, Beverly D'Angelo, myself, Tara Reed, Sade, just Sade, and others. It's truly an amazing script. I would love for you to read it. Shoreline and Universal are doing it. It's a franchise of five films. If you can follow me so I can tell you more, kindly, Tara. Oh my God. Wait, right before we before we move forward, is that Sade or is that Sade? Is it Sinead O'Connor? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look up the IMDb. I, I was assuming it was Sade, but you read that? it Sade, and now I'm tripping. You, right? You don't know who Sade is? No. Why would I know who that is? Are you Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. No. We're going to have to pack up our bags right now and quit this podcast. Finally, Sade? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know who Sade is? Singer? Very popular singer. Okay, like, no. I can't know every singer on earth. There's a lot of popular singers. Sade is extremely famous. This is going to... This is going to upset some people, right? We're going we're gonna to oh. get canceled here. Okay, well, someone send me a song. Like, I don't. It's spelled S A D E. That's how you spell their name? Yeah. No, no, I don't know who that is. I'm like, I didn't listen to music until I was 13, and it was like Paramore and Panic at the Disco only. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm assuming they were like popular in the 90s. Like, I don't know. Yeah, 90s, Everyone... 90s, and uh, 2000s. Everyone else in this movie was popular in the 90s Vivica Fox, <laughs> Billy Zane, Beverly D'Angelo, Beverly D'Angelo, Tara Reid. <laughs> Um, I okay. will only be referring to myself as myself, Ryan Alkire, from now on, by the way. This is so incredibly unhinged, Rye. Okay, what's your favorite part of the comment? Because I have my favorite part. I have to say, it's it truly an amazing script. It truly an amazing script with no pair. Sade, we'll go with Sade. Sade and others at Truly an Amazing Script. No period. Also, it's a franchise of five movies. Are you crazy? You think Nicole Kidman is doing a five-film franchise? Like, in what world? Like, she was barely in the one Hunger Games. Wasn't she in the Hunger Games? I don't know. Was she? I don't know. Um, I think PSH was was in it, right? Who? PSH. He was a singer in the 90s, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, 
Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, and also Mahershala Ali was also in The Hunger Games, which I just remembered. But anyway, um, yeah, a franchise of five films, like Nicole Kidman would never. I also love the like total desperation of can you follow me so I can tell you more. Like, you know what? You're right. That's the best part. The If you can follow me so I can tell you more. Kindly, Tara. I'm pretty sure this was just like her way of trying to get Nicole Kidman to follow her on Instagram, which like, no shame there. I would do the same. It reeks of desperation. It also reeks of delusion. What studio, and it's definitely not Universal that would do such a thing. What studio is giving out a five film franchise contract to Tara Reid? Studios hardly even give five film contracts as it is. It would have to be something truly special like a Harry Potter that you know is going to make bank. It already has an established IP, not something out of nowhere. Maybe Masha's Mushroom is something. I don't know, but this honestly reeks of delusion. Who is having Tara Reid anchor a five-film franchise like without seeing if the first one is successful before you know, inking her to a five-film contract, unless it's just so cheap. But if she's trying to get Nicole Kidman to sign on, it must have some sort of budget in her mind. This is just all sorts of crazy. Um, Honey, I think you're forgetting about this little franchise called Sharknado. <laughs> that was actually like a seven-film franchise, if I'm not mistaken. They're, they're still pumping those out every year. Yeah, and it's starring Tara Reid, so, like, you know she can carry a franchise. But isn't Tara Reid, like, one of the characters that just gets eaten by a shark near the beginning of every movie? Or no? I've never seen one. Yeah, I was like, do you think I've ever watched that? Like, absolutely not. Um, I can't even get myself to watch The Undoing, which is, like, actually good, apparently. I'm, like, spending my time watching Sharknado. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm all for it. Look, like... What are you for? What are you for in this? Nicole Kidman acting in the film? Are you for the Instagram comment? I'm for I'm for the Instagram comment. I'm for, you know, if I've learned one thing in my long and just very successful mm-hmm. career as a actor, writer, performer, you gotta shoot your shot, you know? You gotta put yourself out there. It's all about networking. For all we know, Nicole Kidman doesn't have her next project book. She might be out of work right now. She might be looking for her next paycheck. And Masha's Mushroom, that's an automatic five-film franchise. That's a paycheck, you know? You know what's wild about this comment is that if you put White out to Tara Reid's name and you sent the comment to any random person and you said, who do you think would have sent such a comment? 99.9% of the people would say a crazed fan. There is no difference between this comment and any crazed fan that's like, Nicole, I wrote the best script ever, or I have the best movie idea ever. Like, can I tell you my elevator pitch? Like, I'm pretty sure I could get Beverly D'Angelo to star in it. Please just follow me back. I've I've already DM'd you a bunch of times, but it's going into that, you know, inbox of people that, you know, you don't follow, so you don't see it. It's so chaotic. Honestly... All I need is Billy Zane. I'm sold. I would have said yes in a heartbeat. So I think, you know, I think we're, I think we're cutting it short with, with Nicole's decision. We haven't heard back from her yet. There's been no comment. No she comment from dis- her reps yet. She could be discussing with her agent um, on what the proper move is to secure the bag. And for all, I think this could be a recurring tag- segment. <laughs> Tara reads. IG the, comments. Uh, we read Tara Reed's comments. <laughs> That's going to be the segment, and I'm so excited to see where it takes us. Rye, where would you set the odds at Nicole Kidman doing this project? I mean, you ask me this every fucking time. I still don't understand how odds work. Um, I guess I would say... The higher the number, the more unlikely if we're going plus something, right? Like plus 600, it means that the... Oh, Likelihood of it happening. It, We've it, done this like low. four. I'm never gonna get it. Um, I'm gonna go plus nine hundred. 
I would go like plus hundred thousand and I wouldn't break a sweat. Like if I was an odds maker, because you have to pay it out if someone wins it. Yeah. And that means all you have to do is bet one dollar, you'd win a hundred thousand dollars. I wouldn't even sweat. I would bet a dollar on that for sure. I mean, yeah, for funsies, I would actually, yeah. I put ten dollars on it just for funsies, but it would never happen. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the role is. Mm. Celebrities do cameos, you know? That's true. And this comment blew up a little bit. You know, we were seeing, we were, we're talking about it on podcast. Mm-hmm. We're seeing discourse about it online. We were seeing jokes. We could propel Nicole Kidman to take this role simply That's by talking about it on this podcast. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, if people, if it generates enough interest, I could see Nicole Kidman... You know, tongue-in-cheek, wink-wink, nudge-nudge, I'm in on the joke. I took a cameo. She'd be in one scene. She'd probably play herself. It'd probably be, like, a funny little thing. She could play the mushroom. And she would play the mushroom. And then you'd be laugh. I'd be laughing my way to the bank <laughs> with my $100 million billion that I just got from the odds because that's how odds work. Do you? Okay, I have one more question from you for you. And then we can move on. Do you think that this registers on Nicole Kidman's radar at all? I mean, it's Nicole fucking Kidman, right? Do you think there's any difference between this comment from Tara Reid and another one of those crazed comments from a fan that I described? Or do you think that this is actually going to get on Nicole Kidman's radar and it's going to be a little annoying to her, actually, because she has to deal with it as opposed to a crazy fan's comment? Like, she's somewhere with Keith Urban, and she's like, fuck, Tara Reid sent some stupid comment, and now I'm going to have to, like, reach back out to her reps, or God forbid I have to follow her back on Instagram, because she because Tara Reid has some modicum of celebrity, so maybe now Nicole Kidman is pressured to do something. It's like, I don't know, it's like the annoying person at a, a networking event who's just following you around everywhere. I absolutely believe that Nicole Kidman has no idea that this is happening. I don't think she ever will know that it happened. I doubt she will ever even interact with Tara Reid in her entire life. Um, No, Nicole has no idea what's going on. I mean, she is getting millions of comments and texts and emails about her show ending. Like, it, Tara Reid's comment only got 10 likes, you know? Like, it's not even, like, that's popping up. In her oh, my God, you're right. It was sent two days ago, and it has 10 likes. Yeah, so it's just not happening. But I'm holding on to a little bit of hope here that we'll see a Tara Reid, D'Angelo, um, Billy Zane, Nicole Kidman collab. I'm not here for the Sade erasure. Okay, it's Sade, and um, you know who else is trying to erase something? <gasps> that was good. That was good. I'm going to let you talk about this, but I got to read this headline. Glenn Close says Gwyneth Paltrow's 1999 Oscar win didn't make sense. And you know what? Glenn Close is never wrong, so. And a lot of things with Gwyneth Paltrow don't make sense, so. Absolutely correct, yes. I love this story, Rye, because it is so rare. Like, we can objectively say this. It is so rare to hear an actor or actress in Hollywood talk shit about another actor or actress's Academy Award win, Golden Globe win in Hollywood. It just doesn't really happen. They're Mm -hmm. usually very congratulatory, especially if they were nominated in the same category, oh, you know, he or she really deserved it. They they crushed that role. Oh, yeah, I'm so happy for that person if they were the loser, right? But Hollywood celebrities are real people too. And we know that they feel some sort of way about all these wins and losses. So this was cool insight into that fact. Glenn Close telling... Uh, ABC News during an interview that she was shocked over Gwyneth Paltrow's win. She thought that Fernanda Montenegro in Central Station deserved it more. So this is the exact quote. 
I honestly feel that to be nominated by your peers is about as good as it gets. And then I've never understood how you could honestly compare performances, you know? I remember the year Gwyneth Paltrow won over that incredible actress who was in Central Station. And I thought, what? It doesn't make sense. So I think who wins has a lot of things to do with how things have been, you know, whether it has traction or whatever, publicity, how much money did they have to put it out in front of everybody's sight. I have to be philosophical about it if I was upset about it. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow was in Shakespeare in Love that year. And Correct. she won the Oscar. Um, but this is something that you and I have talked about. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast but awards season in Hollywood has much more to do with the political nature of the awards than it has to do with the quality of the art. If our listeners don't know about the process of the awards season, it is a lot of glad handing. It is doing these events and schmoozing. It is full-blown politics to try to win the it's votes. It's like an election. It's straight up an election. Um, so sometimes it can come down to who sells the product better, who has the better marketing, who does more schmoozing. Um, so you can have a way better picture and not win best picture. That's just the fact of it. Yeah, and like I have opinions because like here's the thing. I instantly jump back to Sandra Bullock winning an Oscar for The Blind Side. The Blind Side, it's a fine movie. You know, like, it was a hit. Um, it was Sandra Bullock kind of, like, playing a serious role, which we didn't see often from her. She was usually, she was still doing a lot of, like, rom-com, comedy-type stuff. She also had a very public cheating scandal, divorce the same year her husband um, cheated on her, and they got publicly divorced. And she ended up winning. It was To me, it was more of a... Hollywood, rags to riches. I mean, not rags, but like... Famously rags. humble Sandra Bullock, you know. Famously wearing rags, Sandra Bullock. Um, but like, you know what I mean? It was more kind of like, it'd be the most amazing end to this year that she had to have this hit movie playing. Like, I'm not saying she was bad in it. She was definitely as good in it. But I mean, she was terrible like, in it, but she still won. She, yeah, it was a terrible movie, terrible performance. <laughs> But, like, you know, it was more the story than it was, did she deserve this? And she's yeah. even commenting, being like, people are going to say, I, I didn't deserve this, but whatever. And then you have Glenn Close's actual quote that you just read. I remember the year Gwyneth Paltrow won over that incredible actress who was in Central Station. So we don't, she can't even remember the actress's name, but... <laughs> Everybody remembers Gwyneth Paltrow's, you know, like, and I can tell you Gwyneth Paltrow won, it, won an Oscar for Shakespeare in Love. I've never even seen Shakespeare in Love. And I know that she won an Oscar for that. Whereas I've never heard of the movie Central Station. Glenn Close didn't even know what the freaking actress's name that she's trying to defend. So what, what constitutes a great performance, you know? Well, did Fernanda Montenegro launch Goop? And here's the thing. She didn't. She didn't. And Gwyneth Paltrow could... Honestly, probably have played the character in Central Station, but Fernando Montenegro could not have launched Goop. So no, 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 no. Who who's the real winner here, Glenn? I also think that Glenn is a little bitter that she lost the Oscar two years ago. Not only did she lose it to well, Lady Gaga also lost it, but it was kind of a surprise upset. Olivia Coleman won, and I think Glenn hasn't let that you know, let that go yet. So Glenn, you know, maybe get some therapy about your Oscars beef, honey. Speaking of uh, Vegas odds and gambling, since we've talked about it a couple times on this podcast, Glenn Close was the heavy Vegas favorite to win yeah. that night. Uh, I remember because I placed some bets that night, not on Glenn Close because the odds were terrible. It was like minus 2000. So you'd have to bet $2,000 just to win a hundred dollars. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, but okay. I won money on Alfonso Cuaron winning best director oh did he win he did for roma I, I did watch actually the movie glenn close was in for that nomination on a plane it was the perfect plane movie wasn't it like called like the wife or something it's called the wife yeah, yeah. and it was actually really good the whole movie was really good is it as good um, as hillbilly elegy <laughs> it's elegy what the heck <laughs> 
That's my that's my sage Sade moment. Elegy. Elegy. I think. Well, now I'm questioning it. <laughs> but like hillbilly elegy, that's like yeah. the ugliest name ever. I don't think they would name something that. Well, apparently this movie is just terrible, from what I've heard. Well, I know, but like <laughs> a terrible no. name for a terrible movie. Hillbilly elegy. That's the <laughs> grossest thing I've ever heard someone say. Um, it's, it's about like ninety percent of the reason why I haven't watched the movie too. Yeah, I watched the trailer and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Um, it was almost as dramatic as the Sean Mendes documentary trailer. I haven't which... watched that, but I thought of you when it dropped. Oh, I haven't watched the documentary and I will not be watching it, but the trailer was so dramatic. I'm like, what? You're not going to watch uh, it, right? No, I can't. Look, I love looking at Sean Mendes. I can't listen to him talk. I can't listen to him like interact with people. He like freaks me out. No, you know what did it, right? It was him making out with Camilla Cabello in that video, that weird video where they wanted to prove that they could be sexual and intimate and they did the selfie makeout thing. Yeah. And we talked about it on this podcast. That yeah. traumatized you. I remember that. And like it traumatized me, but I can move on. But now he's like this weird, like kind of like, I don't know. He's giving me weird vibes. I feel like he's been brainwashed. Um, In the trailer, he like compares himself to Superman. I'm like, dude, you are like a pop star. You're fine. Like, calm down. He compares um, himself to Superman. What's the comparison? He's like, I'm running through stadiums. I have hundreds of thousands of people screaming my name. And I think, is this what it's like to be Superman? And I'm like, no, it's not. Okay. Like Superman's flying also isn't a real like person. So what? And, and, oh, that analogy is horrible. Like he could have used any legitimate analogy. Like, I feel like I'm Cristiano Ronaldo, the most famous soccer player in the world. I don't know. Someone who actually goes from like stadium to stadium and gets cheered on by hundreds of thousands of people. Not Superman. Superman's whole thing is that he goes and saves lives and then he's a journalist by day. Right. And I'm like, no offense, Sean Mendez. You're not saving anyone's life. Just kidding. He probably has people who are inspired by him. It's fine. <laughs> Anyway, we're off subject here. Point is, Glenn Close needs to get over her fucking beef with the Oscars. Stop talking shit about Fernando Montenegro, or at least know the person's name that you're talking shit about. Oh, I guess she was talking shit about Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Anyway, point being, I kind of also live for this messy drama with Glenn mm -hmm. Close, and good for her. Can I do a quick PSA? PSA to the celebrities out there. Tell us how you feel more. I would love to hear uh, actors and actresses talk about the uh, movies and other actors and actresses that they feel didn't deserve awards because I think that just makes for fun, juicy gossip. Yeah, I'm all for it. I love shit like that. Um, the messier, the better, mm -hmm. in my humble opinion. Speaking of messy and better, messy but better, mm -hmm. we got another college admission scandal update. The official college admission scandal song. Like we said, this is a scandal that keeps on giving. It'll never, ever, ever go away. We are going to go to our graves talking about the scandal. But we kind of have like a positive like update, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I'm really glad we skipped over the fact that Massimo, whatever the fuck his name, <laughs> shaved his head before going to prison. He looked so scary. You nailed it when you texted me and said that he looks, <laughs> he looks like Walter White. Yes, he looks like Walter White. Um, yeah, like, Lori Laughlin's husband shaved his head before going to prison, and I was just like, okay, we got it, you're going to prison, like, you don't have to shave your head, you know? Dude, you can just go with your hair, it's okay. Right, like, have someone cut it, like, like people cut hair in prison, like, I'm assuming, like, just do it there, I don't know, maybe he was trying to lay low, but, point being, um, Felicity Huffman, who famously went to jail for 11 days for her involvement in the scandal, Booked her first acting job ever. No, I'm kidding. Um, her first acting job post-scandal. And I remember we had quite a discussion mm -hmm. about what their careers would look like post-scandal. Um, you know, because it it's... I mean, it's the most I've thought of Felicity Huffman in decades. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the only thing she's like known for at this time. So we were like, what is going to happen? Um, Although in also... the midst of the scandal, uh, Ava DuVernay's series came out on Netflix. The name is escaping me right now. Who? Ava DuVernay's. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. 
you said her name so poetically. I couldn't even understand what it was. Um, yes, um, that one, uh, When They See Us. which When They See I, Us. About the Central also, Park Five. Yeah, I also famously watched On a Plane and cried in the middle seat between two strangers. Felicity Hoffman is the lawyer in that. That series came out, if I'm not mistaken, right in the middle of the scandal. Yes, but she also was playing like a very bad person in that. So mm-hmm. it kind of worked because I was like, oh, I'm like, not like I really give two shits about what Felicity Huffman did. Right. I mean, I don't really care what any of these people do. We've only but, talked about it for like 29 different podcasts, but yeah. I mean, like, I care about it, obviously, but I'm saying like, I'm not going to like hold it against her. Like, I'm like, right. And we, you know, we talked about that too of like, I respect Felicity Huffman. She was like, yeah, I fucking did it. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Like, I kind of hold a grudge a little bit more against Lori Laughlin because she was like, I didn't do a damn thing. And I'm like, girl. But it kind of helped that Felicity Huffman's character in When They See Us was, like, a bitch and, like, a total awful person. And I was like, yeah, like, fuck you, Felicity Huffman. But, like, now I'm like, oh, my God, good for her. She booked a new job. Like, I'm so excited. And, like, people learn and grow from their mistakes and, like, their troubled past should not follow them and like her life should not be over just because she made one mistake. So I'm really excited for her. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a total bust. Like, I don't think this is going to be a successful show, (laughs) but you know, at least she's kind of getting her footing again and kind of getting her, you know, first step towards moving past the scandal. Um, it says that she's going to star in an untitled ABC comedy. So that's already three like really bland and unexciting descriptors inspired by the life of Susan Savage. We love an alliteration though. Yeah. But like, that sounds like a freaking like cartoon character's name. (laughs) Owner of a triple A baseball's sack. Oh my God. Sacramento river cats. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know her? I freaking, <laughs> I didn't read the whole description. I couldn't get past untitled ABC comedy <laughs> before when I saw this news. I freaking grew up going to the Sacramento River Cats baseball game. Shut <laughs> up. No way. Yes, because they're the, um, this is like the most Northern California, like boring story ever, but they're the triple A team that like feeds into the Oakland A's and like famously my family only went to Oakland A's games like 14 times a season and sometimes my, my uncle, um, like, lived in Sacramento, so sometimes we'd go to Sacramento for the night and go to the um, River Cats games because they were, like, $2 to go, and we'd, like, sit on a hilly, like, like a grassy hill, and, like, I would just, like, eat, dog, like, hot dogs and do handstands and stuff because I was gay, but um, I'm so freaking excited, the Sacramento River Cats. I'm totally going to watch the show now, actually. <laughs> Right. Your life has been influenced immensely by Susan Savage. And now... I didn't even know, like, how important Susan Savage was to me until this exact moment when I found out who she was. Isn't that incredible, Right, You could go your whole life and not even realize that another person really made a huge impression on you. You were just out there watching the Sacramento River Cats, barely paying attention. (laughs) Um, I kind of feel like I had a little bit of influence on Felicity Huffman getting this job as we pretty much were the only people talking about the scandal. Well, we famous- were, we were advocating pro Felicity Huffman discourse, always pitting her against uh, Lori Laughlin. Mm-hmm. And I think that really did help her comeback because if people only looked at the act itself, they would say Felicity Huffman committed mail and wire fraud. But we were saying, look at the way that she handled being charged with mail and wire fraud, pleading guilty immediately, serving 11 days in jail, juxtaposing that with Lori Laughlin, who was basically flailing for months and months and months, and now faces, I want to say, what was it, three or four months in prison, plus a ton of community service and a massive, massive fine. So I think that definitely played a role in just lifting up the positive uh, discourse surrounding Felicity Huffman. So. Yeah, and, like, for that, you're welcome, Felicity. And also, something about the universe was, like, I need to do a story on the Sacramento River Cats. <laughs> I can't believe it's a sac- This is blowing my mind. That is so random. Like, Who was your favorite Sacramento River Cat? Oh, my God. Um, where do I even start? 
Um, definitely, um, Colby was really good. Um, and the then, last name? What was the last name? The last name is Colby. Um, oh, okay. First name. You know this, but actually, athletes often go by their last name. Right. That's true. Um, That's true. And then I think my other favorite person at the River Cats was the person who sold the nachos because I freaking was addicted to those things. I would go multiple times during the game. And I'm having like total flashbacks to my childhood. This is so incredible. I'm sending this story to my family. And I am definitely watching this when it comes out for at least one episode. Also, word out to uh, the casting directors. If you guys are looking for real authenticity in your extras, hire Ryan Alkire right here. Because then you're yeah. really going to set an authentic scene for Felicity Huffman to portray Susan Savage. Right, you could go and buy your nachos on set. I could buy my nachos. I could do handstands and cartwheels down the hill where we would sit. Um, I will show up early and be one of the first 500 guests to receive a signature bobblehead of one of the athletes because that definitely happened once. And this is freaking me out. Also, someone just was talking about how the only movie or TV show that's ever taken place in Sacramento was Lady Bird. And I am so excited to say this is the second thing ever taking place in Sacramento, which is famously one of the most boring cities I've ever been to in my entire life. And I'm so excited. Wow. Honestly, right. It's a seminal moment in your life that this is happening. And I'm so happy that I didn't read this before. <laughs> Look, you guys give me shit. Nobody gives me shit for this. But people have once or twice given me shit for not being prepared on this podcast and never doing research. But look, it leads to authentic, <laughs> raw, and real emotion. So you're welcome. It produces gems like this moment. And right. This would be a perfect place to, to end the podcast if it weren't for this next segment, which I feel like we have to do. Yeah, it's a new segment. <laughs> I could already hear the enthusiasm in your voice for this next segment. Um, if you're a new listener to this podcast, uh, then, then you wouldn't know that we are famous for introducing new segments on almost a weekly basis. That duty usually goes to me. Yeah, once again, I've never put a single ounce of effort into creating any of this information so every week i'm just trying to think of new segments new segments new segments to introduce to our you know weekly celebrity news rundowns and this week we had a bit of news that inspired a new segment and this is a new segment that i think can become a recurring segment because many of our new segments just get thrown in the trash never to be used again like whatever happened to shock clarify that remember that segment uh, what was that about it was about Aaliyah Shawcott clarifying things. Oh my God, yes. Aaliyah Shawcott clarifying things. Um, personal side note, I now love Aaliyah Shawcott because I watched her show on HBO Max called Search Party and it's so freaking good. So now I'm obsessed with her. So good. And I take back the time when I said that she wasn't famous enough to be a celebrity because she is now my favorite celebrity. Wow. Wow. We have to almost like go and redo that segment. Yeah, I'm going to hope that she has to clarify something um, in the coming weeks so that I can talk about her because she's amazing. And if she was listening to the episode where we talked about her, I'm so sorry that I said you weren't famous. You're so famous to me now, and I love you. You know what, though? We can just retcon that segment by saying you were doing a bit. She was always your favorite celebrity. You didn't mean a single thing you said. You were just doing a bit. Right, 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 Boom. right, right. retconned. All right. This segment, though, this new segment, it's going to be a recurring segment. Um, I know a lot of you listen to Ryan Alkire, so you don't know how he looks like. But here's the thing. Ryan Alkire pretty much looks like every celebrity that you know and love. Well, maybe not every celebrity, but... At least three. At least three. Most notably, uh, Johnny Galecki and Dan Levy. Wouldn't you say, Ryan? <laughs> Yeah, those are my those are my people I get compared to quite often. Um, Johnny Galecki, like not as much anymore. Now that Dan Levy is like incredibly famous from Schitt's Creek, um, you are almost it. a dead ringer for Dan Levy. It's unbelievable. Which is so funny because I don't see it, but I feel like you don't see yourself as a celebrity because you only see yourself as you. Mm -hmm. But I I get it literally seven times a day, so I guess it has to ha it has to be true. I was the first person to ever point out Johnny Galecki to you. 
I don't remember this, um, but I assume you remember the exact interaction as you often do. <laughs> it was like five years ago. And I remember because you didn't know who Johnny Galecki was. <laughs> right. I was going to say, did you also introduce me to who Johnny Galecki was? Because I literally had no idea. <laughs> yes. Um, mind you, I don't really know Johnny Galecki well. He, he's, if you guys don't know him, he's the star of, or one of the stars of The Big Bang Theory. Um, I knew him from Entourage because he was a guest star on Entourage for a few episodes. Anyway, when I first met you, I really thought that you were a doppelganger for Johnny Galecki. It's actually Dan Levy way more so. But Johnny Galecki in his prime, I would say, you look you look similar to him. Anyway, this new segment, it's called The Ryan Alkair Doppelganger News of the Week. <laughs> And today we're talking about Johnny Galecki because there's Johnny Galecki news. Okay, I have more to say, but we'll get to it after this. Anyway, there's not much news here. It was, we're talking about this purely so I could introduce this new segment. Um, it's actually kind of sad. Uh, Johnny Galecki and his girlfriend, Elena Meyer, have broken up um, only a year after welcoming their son, Avery. A source, though, told people that Johnny Galecki and Elena Meyer will be co-parenting their son Avery so that's a little bit of good news but they have broken up so that is the Ryan Alkire doppelganger news of the week featuring Johnny Galecki this time but again Ryan Alkire he looks like a lot of fucking celebrities so who knows which celebrity we'll be talking about next week yeah I mean there's probably one to possibly two more options on who it could be um Dan Levy's been you know pretty popular so we could get some news about him eventually and have this come back absolutely um I just really quickly also need to explain my disdain for Johnny Galecki um, before I knew who he was because people would always tell me you look like the guy from the Big Bang Theory and the only guy I knew from the Big Bang Theory was the guy with the bowl cut and I would take it very personally and offensively every single time and so then finally I told someone I was like hey this is like really fucking rude that everyone tells me this like I don't have a bowl cut and then they were like, no, not that guy. And then pulled up a picture of Johnny Galecki. And I was like, oh. See, that's me, though. That was me who did that. Or was it someone else? Yeah. No, it was you. But I but like, I got it all the time. And like, I oh, forgot okay. about the moment with you, famously. So <laughs> people would continue to be like, you're, guy, you're like the guy from Big Bang Theory. And I'd be like, what the fuck? This is like so obnoxious. But like. I didn't want to be rude. And then finally, like, someone showed me. And I was like, oh, he's actually, like, kind of attractive. So I'll take it. <laughs> I remember um, when I pulled a picture up of him. And you were like, mm, like, you kind of made that face that you make. Like, that sour face. You're like, eh. you didn't, You didn't really like that I was comparing uh, him to you. I mean, I've never made a sour face in my life. And also, <laughs> yeah, I feel like, because he's, like, old. He's, like, probably in his 50s. And- <laughs> No I'm like, way. I'm not that old. Johnny Galecki's not in his 50s. <laughs> I know. I don't know how old people are. I, <laughs> But it's like I Googled all of So it's like him, Dan Levy, and then for anyone who knows who Hoodie Allen, which is like seven people. Oh, my God. Um, he's 45. Okay, you weren't that far off. Okay, I was going to say he's got to be in his 40s at least. Yeah, but five years ago, he just turned 40. So okay. still a little and then bit Dan Levy's like in his late 30s, and I'm like, okay, so everyone is like at least an entire decade older than me who I get compared to. Um, but I'm just going to think that it's they look young and I don't look old. <laughs> Dan Levy does look young. Yeah, I would say he's more early 30s than late 30s, but he's definitely 30s. And I'm not. I am a newborn infant and I'm so young and gorgeous. <laughs> that's absolutely true, Rai. And that's why we only say doppelganger. It's not, you know, one-to-one, right? You, you look very similar to Dan Levy. Or rather, they look similar to you, Rai. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say also my whole goal was to be cast as Dan Levy's cousin or something on Shit's Creek. And then right when I started to manifest that, they announced that they were ending the show. So you you could have straight up played his long lost brother. Right. That's what I'm saying. I could have been like the next Rose child that like didn't make it to the motel somehow. Right. Let's start an online petition to get you and Dan Levy in some project together as brothers. Like maybe a stepbrothers remake? Although wait, that doesn't make sense, but still. Oh my god, a stepbrothers remake would be so good. But just called okay. brothers. 
that doesn't make sense. Yeah, because we're supposed to be blood related. Right, but then we'd be called <laughs> brothers. <laughs> Step brothers too. Just brothers. Yeah, brothers. We could be like, nope, that doesn't make sense. I was going to say the Ian Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito thing. Why am I only thinking of <laughs> movies where they don't look the same? <laughs> Have they ever made a movie of two brothers who look the same? I don't think so. <laughs> um, uh, About twins? Yeah, there's been twin movies. They're well, not as memorable, the, but they exist. We can't be twins. He's a whole decade older than me, lest you forget. Fraternal. <laughs> it still doesn't work. Um, <laughs> you know, famously, I, fraternal oh, twins, born at different times, look a little different. I think that has happened. Um, I don't know. We'll workshop it. <laughs> you guys, if you have any movie ideas for me and Dan Levy exclusively, Johnny Kalecki, G- Kalecki. Johnny Galecki can maybe play like my much, much, much older, maybe like uncle. You can play your dad. That would be really good, actually. I'm like really feeling this. Galecki as the dad. Or, oh, right. It could be three generations of brothers. Galecki, the oldest yeah. brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. and you guys are like fighting over the will or something. I, I could see something there, right? And you see the generations <laughs> clash, but at the end of the story, you realize that. Family is more important than money. Um, well, we'll work on the ending, but <laughs> I do like this idea. Actually, I'm going to write this down. Um, I'm going to tweet it at both of these people. Um, I have tweeted at Dan Levy too many times to be proud of about how we look the same, and he has never once liked responded anything. But you're I the terror what- read to his Nicole Kidman. I'm literally Dan Levy's Tara Reid, okay? <laughs> and I have no shame about it, and neither does Tara Reid, obviously. So <laughs> we're one in the same, babe. And I'm both of y'all's Sade. Oh, God. Sade. Um, <laughs> anyway, you guys, thank you so much for listening. We really covered a lot, and you stuck with us. Um, we appreciate you all, and we hope you enjoyed all these little uh, updates. Yeah, thanks for listening, you guys. And uh, send us your doppelganger at Holly Shook Pod on Twitter. That'd be fun to see, right, Ray? Oh, that'd be super fun to see. Um, yeah, Holly Shook Pod on Twitter and Instagram, I believe. And Instagram. And you can send them our way and we'll compare and contrast and tell you if you look older, younger, hotter, uglier, etc. We can't promise you that, but maybe we will. Who knows? <laughs> All right, Ray, okay. I think we covered it. <laughs> TTYL, everyone. (laughs) See you, Rye. Bye.